Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The year is 1980. Sydney's streets are filthy, running rampant with crime and corruption. Puberty blues is onto the cinemas. Ice House is blaring on the stereo. It's humid and dangerous. And a young man has decided to join the police force to fight crime. That man, of course is my dad. Loose Units, the podcast, was created to tell the cases that wouldn't fit into my first book, Loose Units. But Loose Units was a series of fantastical tales that I wrote based on the real crimes my dad solved on the force back in the early 80s. So this season, dad and I are finally going to go back, back, back to the year 1980, and each week we'll be going chapter by chapter through Loose Units, the book, and dad will tell us the story behind my version of events. It'll be thrilling, revelatory, and as always, very, very loose. Welcome to Loose Units Origins. Hello, and welcome to Loose Units Origins. How are you all doing? Good? Yes, I hear you all think. Every week, I sit down with my ex-cop dad, John, and he's sitting across from me, but many thousands of miles away, trapped in Sydney during lockdown. Dad, how are you feeling this morning? I'm actually really excited to be virtually with you. Okay. My number one son. Oh, I'm top of the pops. Well, you were born first. Oh, okay. Okay. At least of all the... No, I won't say it. That's God. tricky. I mean, oh, right. You're going to say of all the ones we know about. Yes, oh, it's, yes. It's, it's yes, rather yes, cliched, isn't it? But you never know. I mean, that's one never really knows, does one. Can you imagine if a secret Verhoeven came out of the woodworks? I know what you mean. And I've, I, I, do you... I mean, do, we, do people think about that? And there have to be cases where someone gets a knock on the door. Yeah. I mean, just imagine if you've... God, it's a bit weird talking about it, isn't it? Oh, look, the thing is, you and mum got together when you were very young, but the the idea that I might have a secret older brother or sister out there who... I mean, I, I would ex- find that so interesting. No, I mean, fascinating. Yeah. And it's possible. It's very plausible. I mean... Mum... Yeah, I don't think mum would be super jazzed about it. No, but I mean, I'm, I'm glad you said jazzed, Paul. Why? And not jizzed. Okay, let's <laughs> let's veer away from this yeah, car yeah. crash. But it, of no, but it is no, it's fascinating. Maybe for another episode. No, I think, we, <laughs> I think we need to pursue this line of inquiry. Here's the thing, Dad. Last week we dealt with the terrible, terrible case of Len Beater finally showing his true colours. Now he viciously assaulted a, um, I'd say suspect, but really there was just a, you know, a homeless guy who was mm. kind of being a bit yeah. drunk and disorderly, and he. Kicked him, uh, mm. badly, badly hurt him. You went to internal affairs, which must have been terrifying. Terrible. And the chapter involving this incident actually didn't finish where we finished it. There was kind of a weird button on the end of it that I wanted to turn into an episode 
you know, of its own. Mm. So, just to take people back, I don't know how many weeks ago, this po- this season is our longest yet. It's been an absolute belter. At this point, we have done so many episodes of Loose Units this season. I don't even think it's a season anymore. I'm starting to think that potentially it's it's the length and breadth and scope of every other season combined. I mean, it's... Mm. It's, well, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, you know, you say season, mm. but this, our season has traversed many seasons. If you talk about from a sort of a, a seasonal perspective in terms of the weather. Oh, right. Because you mean it's, yeah. Because I mean, we started this season back when, oh my God. I mean, we started it, I think, before lockdown began. We must mm. have, right? Mm. And yeah, long time ago. A year and a half. And I, I know. I try not to remind myself how long God. this. Fucking nightmares going on for. Oh. Fuck. Oh, someone's struggling. Well, look, one of the, the reason I wanted to bring this up is uh, however long ago it was, there was a chapter involving a man in one of the cells over, I believe, at North Sydney Police Station complaining that the, that the place was haunted, that he mm. was hearing voices in the cells. Now, was this a common occurrence? Pretty well from day one at North Sydney Police Station, bearing in mind it's a Victorian building. Yep. Funnily enough, it's it's sort of condemned in a weird way. Now you it's, mean? Now it's. I mean, I just just so you and the listeners know, um, because of the whole loose units and Electric Blue and the shows and the I guess the whole concept of this amazing thing that you came up with, Paul. I'm not I'm not ashamed to say that occasionally somewhat nostalgic. If I drive past the original North Sydney Police Station, mm-hmm. I quite often pull over. And I sit in my ute and I just kind of remember and I do a virtual walk from where that bus pulled up with me as a gangly young guy. Almost a teenager at that point, really. Yeah, I just barely, I just, I think I just started to get pubic hair. Okay. All grown up now. (laughs) And uh, sorry, Paul. That's fine. I try and shock you and... Occasionally it works. Uh, or, or you could be just feigning shock and nothing shocks you. No, 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 no. Believe me, I'm regularly disgusted. So. Oh, excellent. And I, and I sit there and sometimes if it's a cloudy day, it punctuates the, the intensity of my, of my memories. Okay. And a few weeks ago, I got out of the ute and I actually went up and pressed my face up against the, uh, the windows and tried to look in, but they've blacked everything out, which is kind of creepy. I'm really curious as to know, I mean, it's obviously a heritage building, but Mm. there are definitely, if I was to go into that station day or night by myself now, I feel that I would be pretty shit scared and covered in goosebumps for all the things that have happened in that station. Is that because you think that it's possible that places kind of absorb a degree of- 100%. Yeah. Um, I've done. Paul, when you said to me, Dad, I want you to do a little bit of research about haunted police stations, I basically, I wasn't dismissive in sort of mentally, sort of internally. Mm. And I said to you in a fairly jovial manner, I said, yeah, no worries. And I I, I didn't give it a lot of thought. But then I thought, you know, I've got to sort of get stuck into this. And I began to do research. And quite frankly, Paul, I was... Because I give police officers a lot of credibility in terms of the stories, it seems to be a universal situation of police stations that have been and are haunted. Do you think it's because the buildings are 
I mean, a lot of these built. Okay, so it seems like I'll be doing a bit of research too. And I'm sure people can agree that when you went to a very, very old building, and in Australia, for our Australian listeners, old buildings do have a kind of... They have a kind of quality, um, especially mm. growing up in Sydney. There's a lot of really old kind of, you know, architecture that's, you know, a couple of hundred years old. And, you know, down near the rocks, I mean, there's a real vibe. Um, and I'm guessing that North Sydney Police Station on the inside looks pretty much how I imagine it in that it's got a, it would have at the time had a vaguely modern-ish, you know, dressing up, you know, just like all the modern trappings. But you're in an old building, right? It's, it's mm. an old sandstone building, correct? Mm. Paul, I'm really glad you've touched on that because, <clears throat> you know, the assumption is that they've sort of modernised the police station, but re- the reality is that they hadn't. All mm. the walls were original. As listeners know, it had a telephone switchboard called the Sylvester switchboard that that I reckon was from, God, probably the 1920s. But the cells out the back were genuinely untouched and very Victorian. Mm. And when we say Victorian, we're talking 19th century. And, you know, it always was a very cold station, um, really, really thick walls, but I guess police stations are, by their very nature, fairly... They're not happy places. You know, people generally, when they need the police, they're not going to the police, they're not calling them around to say, hey, we're having a 21st birthday, let's all come and celebrate. Yeah. So it's, it's always something generally kind of not not super great. And, um, yeah, it's sort of... You know, when I first started at that station, it was daunting. Um, and occasionally when I was working down in the sort of the main area where, you know, the public would come in, you know, in old buildings, they've got these vents, like up in the... Because they were very high ceilings. And you've yeah. got these vents. In fact, in our apartment, I'm looking in the kitchen and well, everywhere in the apartment. And probably in most places, there are vents up near the ceiling. But these vents were Victorian. They were quite decorative. And I'd be working. It didn't matter whether it was day or night. But occasionally, in fact, I'd say maybe every four to six weeks, Mm -hmm. I would hear coming from the vents at various places in the station, I'd hear this weird human-type sort of groaning, like a sort of a, almost a sort of a a creepy demonic, sort of hard to fathom, but it was very unnerving. And at first I didn't want to say anything because I thought police officers that I can hear this weird voice coming from somewhere. But I I did figure out that it was through the ventilation system. And I used to hear about it. I used to hear it a lot, but I also occasionally heard prisoners talking about it. And I could not dismiss it because I'd heard it myself. And occasionally there'd be this prisoner out the back. You'd go to give them their dinner and they would say, look, I I can hear there's there's, there's someone else, there's someone talking and is there someone next door? And you'd look next door and there was no one else in the cells and you began to think, shit, this is like kind of weird. And this happened for, I guess, I mean, I don't know how long this had been happening prior to me hearing it whether it had been years decades i don't know Mm. but 
it happened and then other police occasionally would um like occasionally you'd be working with someone and you'd both hear it so it became a bit of a thing at north sydney police station and um for many many years you know i, I left the station i um went and worked in other sections and then came back to north sydney resumed my general duties career and it it was an ongoing thing and it was a mystery at North Sydney Police Station. Yeah, what I was trying to figure out is, okay, so you're a young man, but what happens when you're in one of these buildings at night and there's a lot of like horrendous shit happening? And, you know, there's sleep deprivation because you're working late nights. I'm sure it also makes it scarier, but at that point, did people believe that this building was haunted? Did some people? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, I never liked going out the back. In fact, I didn't like going to the toilet at night time. <laughs> Seriously. Because you had to go upstairs. Yeah. You had to go down this corridor. I mean, at two in the morning, it's creepy enough. It's a funny time, isn't it, when mm. you're... I can't quite describe it. I mean, if you haven't done shift work, then you won't kind of understand. But if you've done shift work, and I know a lot of our listeners have, things happen to you. Um, it's like being on an international flight. I don't sleep on planes. It's two in the morning. Everyone on the plane's asleep except me. And, and you sort of, you enter this weird state. And I generally find it's a place that's a gateway to rather depressing and morbid thoughts. You go a bit peculiar, basically. You do, and you start thinking about mortality. You start, yeah. you, you kind of, it's a bit of a weird thing. And I don't really kind of like it that much. Well, um, let's, okay, let's, let's say that you are... <sighs> Look, I know how this story resolves itself and I think it's fascinating, but let's say you are out there somewhere in the world, you know, you let's say you live in, you know, England and there is a creepy old police station near you and you read an article in the Daily Mail that says that it's haunted. I mean, do you think it's possible that this is a thing that happens in police stations because there's so much kind of, for lack of a better term, bad juju because, you know, people die, people get hurt, people just like tow their distress around these buildings and they've been around for hundreds of years. In your kind of time doing research, what did you actually find in terms of haunted police stations? <clears throat> this morning, Christine and I watched a video and like I said, these are reliable, reputable sources. So the source, the base for the source is really, it, it sort of adds credibility so we're watching this um, CCTV footage from a police station in Malaysia. You can clearly see that it is a very, it's a very beautiful, um, well-run, modern, super modern police station. There's a lot of a lot of officers working. You know, this security footage is running 24 hours a day. They're all sitting at this this sort of big bench. You know, there are people walking around. It's it's in the morning, it's probably one in the morning, and the main really heavy, thick glass doors that that normally would be very difficult for a human to... You'd need a fair bit of strength to open up these front doors. One of the doors flies open in a microsecond. Just that is kind of from a sort of from a mechanical engineering perspective, almost impossible to happen, okay? Even if you had the world's strongest man, it, that, it would be very, very difficult to open a door so quickly. Now, when this door opens, it literally flies open. There is no one at the door. All the police in the station, of which there are probably at least 
in that particular scene, there are maybe five or six police officers of varying ranks, they clearly shit themselves. In fact, one of the officers literally almost falls off his chair in, in fright. Okay? Now, we watched this video a few times this morning. Something has happened. Someone has either come into the station or someone has left the station. You know, there's a, um, there are police stations all over the world. And, and we're not talking sort of silly little sort of stories. Um, there's a police station in India that they had to close down because the police ultimately refused to work there. And then they found out when they shut the station down, and it's never reopened, that it used to be a place where they used to cremate people on that very, very sort of sacred ground. And there's a police station in Christchurch, New Zealand, that um, is, it's terrible things. I mean, a police officer um, at a station walked in and murdered the senior officer. When was this? Um, This one's either New Zealand or America. But this police officer walked in and, and, and just murdered the you know, the boss, and to this very day they hear the most terrible sort of demonic noises coming from where the actual shooting took place. Now, you know, with real estate, and we have touched on this in the past, there is a an obligation to pass on to new owners if something terrible happened in the house. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Right, so hang on. You're telling them that in a kind of cold, clinical, factual way, if 15 people got murdered and were found in the basement, 
you say uh, it has a colorful history and some wonderful dark secrets. And the, the, do you do real estate jargon, or do you have to say people say this building is haunted? Like, like what? How do you phrase this in a way that doesn't completely scupper your chance of selling the place? Well, I don't think you'd have a chance selling a haunted house <laughs> if you advertised it. I don't know, you, Dad. Please think about true crime fans, right? True, true. If you were a fan of uh, true crime, a really big true crime obsessive and you were into serial killers, you know, you weren't like, you didn't like what they did, but you were fascinated and you were a big fan of true crime. And someone said, um, all right, do you want to buy Sharon Tate's house, right? Or the, or the house where the, where the Manson murders happened that night in Hollywood. You would consider doing it just because it would be novel and you would consider it a, historic, a place of historical significance, right? Mm-hmm. I think these places are okay to visit, Paul, during yeah. business hours. Just- I don't, I just don't think it's really, for me- I agree. Um, you know, I, Paul, when I knew we were going to do this topic, um, I something very, very bizarre happened to me a few days ago that I need to share with you and the listeners. Now, oh, Paul, shit. you're going, shit, Dad, like you haven't told me about this. Something happened to me and it happened. it's the first time it's happened in 40 years. I get a call. So I'm driving a few days ago. I get a call from a lady. She's in Sydney. She sounded distressed and I sensed that something was worrying her. And she was talking about, did I believe... She just was saying that basically her life, her family um, had begun to suffer as a result of something. And she said, there's a bad vibe in the house and things are falling apart. And she was on the verge of tears. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm driving in this already sort of weird dystopian time that this call was just slightly off kilter but I didn't overanalyze things and towards the end of the call she said to me she said we have an Egyptian vase would you be able to to appraise it and have a look at it for us we want to know about it and I'm driving and all the images start coming through and like a good citizen I didn't well I must admit I was tempted to look at the images, but I waited until I got home. What happened was she sends me these images of this large metal, kind of a big vase, and it was extremely unusual. I have not seen anything quite like this. And what it was, was a sort of a, I mean, they thought this was an ancient vase. And it really confused me because it had scenes from ancient Egypt with all the pharaohs around it. It was the most extraordinary sort of, the sort of stuff from the time of Tutankhamun. And it was, there were hieroglyphs on it and it was really interesting. But I was so confused because I realized, based on 40 years experience, that what I was actually looking at was a Japanese vase using the the technique called cloisonne, which is sort of an enameling process. So I'm confronted with a 100-year-old Japanese vase with hieroglyphic scenes and sort of pharaohs all around this beautiful, large sort of bronze vessel. Now, I had to really pull all stops out and do some serious research because I I was so discombobulated. I couldn't, couldn't... 
sort of resolve this Japanese vase but Egyptian theme. It just didn't make sense. And then I began to do some research and I actually found a few examples. And I felt pretty good and I wrote back to this lady and I should actually read um, what she wrote. Actually, I'll, I'll have to find it, but I'll paraphrase, paraphrase what she said. Once I'd given the family all the information, she said to me, and this is sort of tying in directly with what we're talking about today. She said to me, she said, John, do you think that the vase is possessed? She believed and the family believe. Hang on. Sorry, go on. This is fascinating. Go on. Mm. She and the family believe that all of the terrible things that have been happening to their family are directly attributable to this vase. And I've got about 10 photos of the vase. Yeah. All the photos are taken outdoors. So they've obviously taken out of out of their house. And what she said to me was, do you think that this vase is possessed? Could this be the cause of all the terrible, lamentable drama in our life? To which I replied with one single word. I said, no. So there are, I, I, a few weeks ago, Paul, as God is my witness, Christine is sitting behind me. No bullshit. I had a phone call from a woman out in, in country New South Wales. She said to me, she said, I have got something. I don't want to sell it. I want to give it away. I said, what is it? She said, voodoo beads. And she had this necklace that was made up of about a hundred demonic, horrific faces and she said she told me the story about it how a great great relative who's who'd owned a plantation in america they'd been given this necklace that kind of it was so disturbing and i said to this lady i don't want your necklace and i basically said you probably if you feel so distressed about having this thing you should basically burn it do something to it you have to get rid of it yeah. Now, I, I occasionally get phone calls from people that own things that are... Because I get to see all the images. If you can imagine going to hell and your face melts off, every single one of these beads was a face like that. All different. So you believe in this stuff. You're saying that when you hear voices in North Sydney Police Station, it doesn't ring false. You go, oh, okay, this is dreadful, but it's happening. Correct. So mm. I, I was spooling through eBay... Uh, looking for, I, I was looking for something uh, which is not pertinent to the show. And I came across an entry for something which I'm going to read to you now. Okay, Dad? Hmm. So this is an entry for something called Agnes. And I'm going to send you this photo in a second and just get your reaction. Agnes is well over 100 years old. She is made of paper mache and wax and is very old looking. She is possessed by her former owner who died 30 years ago at the age of 97. The doll belonged to this owner from the time of the lady's birth. Agnes now seeks refuge in this doll vessel that she is so familiar with. Agnes is very mischievous and loves to play tricks, so keep your eyes open. Things will move about and you will hear strange sounds and smell strange smells. Agnes can communicate with you using her pendulum. The pendulum is included and comes with Agnes for you to use with her. She only likes to use her own pendulum and will have many an intense and interesting conversation with you while using it. I have a strong connection with these spirits and I feel Agnes travelled to Australia a very long time ago by ship with a child companion and she confirmed this to me. 
That's and it's a, and then I kind of fell into this weird hole, Dad, where it turns out there is basically a black market for possessed dolls on uh-huh. eBay. If you ever want to like never sleep again, mm. go to eBay and type in uh, possessed or haunted doll or spirit vessel or. I mean, there's one here that has occasional sexual behavior, which, I mean, now we're just kind of getting into fetish territory. But I think what's interesting is, yeah, the prospect of having a thing being haunted in layman's terms means basically something horrible happened, someone died, and now their spirit is clinging to an object or a place, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm not getting because I know a lot of people are sitting there going, get your hand off it. But what I find interesting is that the enactment of the law, when it's done properly, should be about the like cold hard facts, evidence, right? Right and wrong. It should mm. be about looking at things with a very clean, clear, almost binary perspective, you know, good and bad. Of course, mm. real life doesn't work that way, and that's why we get into problems, right? And people don't work that way. But I find it so interesting that in a place of, you know, facts uh, or purported facts, you have these young cops shitting their pants because apparently there's this series of cell blocks that are haunted. Now- mm. I think we've reached the juncture in the story where I would like you to reveal how this story ended because after the Len Beta incident, you found out the source of the haunting. Mm, I did. So the there was a very senior sergeant at North Sydney Police Station. He was sort of, if you could imagine, the perfect grandfather mm-hmm. on every level. He had a twinkle in his eye. He was demonstrative kind i never ever saw him raise his voice now one of the reasons that he never raised his voice is that he used to go into the exhibit room at north sydney police station because he always smoked a pipe and he used to pack the pipe with marijuana so he was continually stoned and he was a shit stirrer and he just when when you wanted overtime he would he'd just sign the overtime like there was no tomorrow he was just a great guy. And then one night at the end of my shift, it was the end of um, afternoon shift, so it was 11 p.m. Yep. I was heading upstairs and I could hear this this weird noise and I realized that I could hear the same noise I'd heard over the last few years. And I stood there petrified, began to realize that I had an opportunity to possibly encounter this 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 voice. Right, so it seemed like what you were going to run into was you were going to basically follow the rainbow to its source, basically. Correct. You were going to yeah. find, a, find where it was coming from. Except it wasn't a rainbow, rainbow, Paul. It was like a death star. Okay. And I thought to myself, no, it was fucking horrific. I'm, I'm upstairs by myself. In that same dark corridor leading to the bathroom that was scaring you so badly before. That's right. Yeah, okay. And it's a creepy freaking place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows why it's closed? We don't know. Hmm. There are police stations across the world that have just been shut down. I could hear this, 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 this noise, this voice, kind of weird sound that I'd heard. And I gingerly crept up to this, this room that was a room used by the roster sergeant. They actually had a roster sergeant. That's all he did. That's how busy and frenetic this station was. And I slowly opened the door and in the darkness there was like a shaft of soft light came from behind me and kind of made its way into this room and there in the corner crouched down 
was what appeared to be a human being. And I thought, I just, I didn't know what to think. And I turned the light on and there was the senior sergeant. And what he was doing, he had his two hands cupped together and he was talking and making demonic sounds into a vent. So, so he was getting high and just sort of He'd, fucking that was his, with people. That was his go. I'd, I'd, after all these years, I was the one person oh my God. that had discovered the secret demonic voice character. And he was, he was just, he looked up and he just started laughing because he was probably half whacked. Um, and he was, he just thought it was so funny. And I was, so, I just stood there and, you know, I, I never told anyone. And because um, I thought, I kind of deep down thought it was pretty cool what he'd been doing because he was a shit stirrer. And um, I'm, I don't know whether everyone at the station knew that he was the um, he was the person. Behind let's say the- you are. Let's say you're a prisoner in a. Okay, there have been multiple stories involving prisoners in pretty distressed states. You know, there was the guy who kind of chewed through his own wrists, and these mm. are people who are trapped in the cells and they are freaking out. If after that, okay, first of all, did the voices continue after this point? After you um, I'm not sure, Paul. That's a very okay. good question. Okay. Um, I I don't know, but I imagine they would have continued until the day he left because he loved it. Yeah. He thought it was so funny. He was the guy that used to sleep uh, at night time and he used to tape his head to the wall. Remember what? that guy? No. Yeah. Um, so you used to have these senior officers that would come into the station. Remember how we were discussing the night officer who was... Yes. And occasionally, you'd, you know, I'd get to drive the night officer and there was that sort of unwritten rule um, that you would always call the next station. It's as though the officer didn't want any dramas at all. He didn't want to discover anything untoward. So he gave plenty of warning so things could... The station that he was about to visit could make sure everything was spot on. Um, But occasionally, occasionally, um, there was a a very senior officer. I won't use his name, um, and he's more than likely um, deceased. But he was... uh, He was just a... A scary, kind of slightly unhinged person. Um, he was one of the officers, but then I discovered that he was one of the first people um, at a terrible car accident, and inside the car that was on fire was his daughter, oh, who, Jesus. Who, who burnt to death, and that obviously had a terrible, terrible effect on him. And how he could continue to be a police officer is totally beyond me. But he, he kind of took things out on. Um, and very junior police, and he was a scary guy. And he came to the station one night, and the the supervising sergeant at North Sydney Police Station, who's supposed to be sort of running the whole show, the same guy that was the mysterious ghost voice sort of um, whisperer, well, he was supposed to be awake all the time. Right. But what he used to do is he used to sit in a chair in an office, and he used to get sticky tape... And he would tape his head to the wall so he could sort of fall asleep, but his head wouldn't drop forward. So it looked as though he was kind of sitting in a chair. His eyes may have been closed, but 
he didn't sort of drop his head. And then one night, this particularly, I won't say nasty, but pretty pretty mean sort of um, very senior, he was called the night officer, he came into North Sydney Police Station and obviously we're all kind of working and he just walks in, he, he said, where's the supervising sergeant? And we sort of pointed to a certain room and he goes through one sort of interrogation room and then he goes into the, the end room, which was where the you know our senior sergeant was. And this officer's walked in and seen, you know, our supervising sergeant sitting in a chair um, with his head taped to the wall, which is kind of unusual. What kind of tape? Gaff or? Uh, sticky tape, but lots, oh. lots of it because this guy had a massive head. And he smoked a pipe all the time, so the pipe would have been on his desk. But what happened was the night officer sort of shouted out because he was really pissed off. And then our lovely supervising sergeant, his eyes just sort of burst open. And then he went to move and he forgot that he taped his head to the wall. And he thought that he was paralyzed. And he went into this terrible sort of anxious sort of, he freaked out. And he was sort of grabbing his the chair and trying to, you know, and he, and he, and he was paralyzed and frozen and he can see this senior officer standing there glaring at him which is a bad look now the officer senior officer knew that he taped his head to the wall but for that short moment in time he thought it was he he thought something terrible had happened you know imagine waking up sort of in full uniform lights yeah. on yeah. You, you kind of know sort of where you are for but you can't move karma baby that sounds because that sounds like you know kind of waking up and having some sort of weird sleep paralysis mm, haunting mm. experience going on. So this guy, you know, that feels like comeuppance to me. Agree. And Paul, before we kind of conclude, there is one sort of short, terribly demonic story I would like to share with you. Oh yes, please. And it happened um, to a young police officer in America. Now I've I've actually gone through these case files. This is, there's no bullshit. This is all on police sites. So it's like these are police sources. They're not talking. They're not sort of this. This is from the source. Okay. It's like opening up the Australian Police Journal. These are stories from the annals of policing. And there's the most terribly distressing story that it's not a long story, but it kind of gives me the shivers because this is the sort of stuff that really freaks me out. So a family call a police station in America. Mm -hmm. Their daughter, they believe, is possessed. And she's undergoing a demonic, terrible possession. Now, it can be perhaps described as perhaps a medical um, situation, sort of some terrible mental trauma. But the young police officer who is working the night shift, he can hear the most terrible voices on the other end of the line. He can hear the young girl screaming and he can hear this other person saying terrible things and the parents are explaining to the police that, you know, what's happening to their daughter and as they're talking... The police officer is saying, because they've basically described that it's 
how many people are in the room, but the police officer can clearly hear two distinct terrible conversations and then the terrible, terrible realisation, Paul, from the family is that both the voices are are their daughter. So one of them is the daughter's voice and the other voice is clearly a man's voice but speaking in some weird kind of language that no one can understand. But the terrible, terrible thing for this young police officer is that... um, Fuck, I'm covered in goosebumps. Um, Is the realisation that both this terrible male voice is inside but speaking back to her from within. So you can imagine the poor family. And, you know, they call the police station thinking, God, the police can help. And poor police, they're just... You know, they're like everyone else. They're just mere mortals. And, um, you know, this poor young police officer was just so traumatised by that night's event that he, um, he, he left the police force. And, and, you know, I, and, you know, I've seen things that I can't explain in the police force. Um, I've seen lots of things. I've spoken to people that you think to yourself, look, it's just, it's, it's creepy. Who'd and have thought that, you know, you, you were kind of a... I mean, I'm kind of disappointed you didn't delve into this stuff more and become some sort of paranormal investigator. Paul, <laughs> there, is a, there is a rigidage paranormal group in Sydney yeah. and one of the top people in that group is a serving police officer. Bonkers. And it's fascinating. Yeah, it'd, look, it'd be great. I mean, if, if any of that group want to reach out to us and feed us some stories anonymously, my God, please do it. No, please it's just so it's, so, it's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I have told you and the listeners that now I'm 61 years of age. I have had some moments where I've just been, I've, I've been so scared that I just, I can't get out of bed. Isn't that weird? And it's so irrational. But is it irrational? to get this sense of extreme, just this overwhelming sense that something's just absolutely not right. Well, I'm getting an overwhelming sense right now, actually, um, that it's time to finish the episode. So, Dad, this has been the spookiest goddamn episode of Loose Units I have ever participated in, so thank you for scaring the crap out of me. Listeners, if you have any scary stories, oh, and if you're in the police force or in the emergency services and you have legit ghost stories, please head to facebook.com forward slash loose units and hook us up. Don't forget to head across to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to this show and leave us a rating and a review. Tell your friends about loose units, spread the word, have a great week, and we'll see you at the end of the week for some loose ends. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.